Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Good morning, Emmanuel Faith. Buenos dias. My name is Esteban Tapia, and I'm one of the pastors here. And if you are joining us for the first time, my hope and prayer is that you'll feel welcome. Welcome home. Welcome. Welcome home. Uh, now, to those who call Emmanuel, Emmanuel Faith uh, their home, uh, I want to I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for your partnership in ministry. It's such a joy to be part of this wonderful community of local followers of Jesus and, and to teach uh, to you from God's word from time to time. Uh, today in particular, it feels more special since I'll have the opportunity to share from one of my favorite passages in scripture. I love this passage because it's a constant reminder of God's love for humanity and because it's an ongoing uh, motivator for us to invite those that are far from God to come and experience a new life through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I enjoy ministry. I enjoy to teach from God's word and to have fellowship with other believers. But there's nothing more exciting to me than to see God transitioning individuals from being spiritually dead into new life in Christ through the power of the Spirit. My brothers and sisters, our God is a God of new beginnings. Our God is a God of nuevos comienzos. That's the phrase of the day, nuevos comienzos. So say with me, nuevos comienzos. New beginnings. Our God is able to give new life. And this is good news. This is good news for you and for me. And it was good news for a religious man named Nicodemus in biblical times. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 3. Today we will uh, discover that many people, religious people in particular, live in a world made of assumptions, made up of assumptions. Made up of ideas taken as truthful without having any proof to support them. Last week we learned that Jesus, that Jesus visited Jerusalem and he confronted some of the religious practices in the Jewish temple that turned it into a market. He showed up as he owned the temple flipping tables over. This action, as you can imagine, caught the attention of everyone around including the religious leaders. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a member of the religious elite, a man devoted to the scriptures and to daily prayer, a very religious man. Anyway, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So here we have this well-educated religious professor making space in his life to have a conversation with Jesus. We don't know much about his motives we don't know what pushed you, push him to go and spend some time with Christ. But we do know is that Jesus' actions in the temple most definitely made, made Nicodemus wonder about this young rabbi. 
as a Pharisee, Nicodemus was part of a very select group of Jewish scholars who promoted a very conservative ethical way of life within Jewish society. And as a member of the ruling council, he was political, politically very influential as well. So whatever was going on with Jesus, Nicodemus had to figure him out. Now, what's interesting about this scene is that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Maybe he came at night because he was afraid of compromising his social and religious status by meeting publicly with the Galilean rabbi. Nonetheless, Nicodemus, Nicodemus was curious about Jesus. I have to say that I love the effect of Jesus on Nicodemus' life. Nicodemus, the religious, conservative, public figure, was intrigued by Jesus. When Nicodemus approached Jesus, he assumed that Jesus came from God, that he was a great teacher, and that he had the ability to perform miraculous signs. But he was curious about him. And this is a good thing because without curiosity, we settle for assumptions. So let me ask you. Are you intrigued about Jesus? Are you curious about him? If so, maybe God is doing a work in your heart that you cannot even explain. Verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see, can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. I'm sure that Nicodemus was thinking like, Jesus, what are you talking about? I just came to you with the best compliments ever. And you're not even acknowledging them. So you don't care. You, don't, you probably don't know who I am. But Jesus knew well. Really, really well. But he wasn't impressed. He wasn't impressed by Nicodemus' words. Jesus knew Nicodemus very well. The Apostle John said in, said in chapter 225 that no one needed to tell Jesus anything because he knew what was in each person's heart. So he knows. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on here, what's going on here, what's going on in your whole entire being. He knows. Jesus knows everything about us. Jesus knew Nicodemus to perfection. Nicodemus, on the other hand, he had no clue with whom he was talking to. But Jesus knows every single one of us. But Nicodemus didn't know that. He came to Jesus with assumptions. But Jesus had the answers to Nicodemus' most profound questions. Questions that Nicodemus maybe didn't know he had. This is why it's important to uh, engage in conversations with others, especially with Jesus, without bringing assumptions. Nicodemus thought that he had everything figured out. And all of a sudden, Jesus dropped a bomb on him. Nicodemus, you think you will inherit the kingdom of God, but you won't even see it. Unless you are born again. You won't see it unless you receive the new life, life that comes from above. 
Nicodemus, you need a new beginning. Nicodemus, you need a new start. You need a new life. I'm sure that this wasn't only confusing to Jesus, but as well, to, to, to Nicodemus, but as well very offensive. Nicodemus was a person of influence in society. And now this young rabbi from Nazareth is saying, you need a new life? That was hurtful, I'm sure. This comment was definitely disorienting for Nicodemus. All his life, he believed that he will attain the kingdom of God by observing and keeping the law. By living a very religious and restricted life. And by persuading others to do the same. Nicodemus was pretty much like the older son in the parable of the two sons in Luke chapter 15. He did everything right. But he didn't know his father's heart. Nicodemus thought that he had everything under control. That he had control over his final destiny. And now he's learning that he is not in control. Jesus is teaching him that inheriting the kingdom of God doesn't depend on religious effort. That in the same way that no one makes an effort to be physically born into the world, no one can be born again out of religious effort or work. For receiving a new life is a matter of grace. It's a gift. Life is a gift. Spiritual, like the physical life, are a gift from God. You know, I remember being a kid wondering why I was born. And probably, you know, like the biggest question was why I was born to my parents. I wish, you know, like my fat parents, you know, like had more money, better position, whatever, you know. But, but, but I didn't, but what I knew that I didn't choose them to be my parents. I knew that. And as I grew up, I learned that they didn't plan to get, to get pregnant with me in the first place. <laughs> so I guess I was a beautiful surprise to them. My point is that I didn't plan my physical birth. Nada. It was given to me. Well, here Jesus makes clear that the same principle applies to our spiritual life. In the same way that none of us play a role in our physical birth, we cannot play a role in our spiritual birth, but to believe. To believe that Jesus is the giver of life. Now, without this kind of life, the reality is that we are spiritually dead. When Adam and Eve were created by God, they shared a combination of material and immaterial qualities as humans. But since they sinned in Genesis 3, their spirit, one of their immaterial qualities died. The very moment they sinned, Adam and Eve spiritually died. The part of their being that was able to have a relationship with God that's unfortunate. And since then, that's the condition of human beings without Christ. 
we are spiritually dead. We are far from God. But Jesus came to resurrect our spirit. And by receiving new life, our relationship with God is fully restored. This kind of a spiritual life is the one that Jesus is talking about. But Nicodemus didn't get it. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. I'm not sure if Nicodemus is being sarcastic here or if he is being genuine when he's asking this question. I, I don't get him. It's, it's confusing. But what we do know is that his assumptions began to collapse once he was exposed to the truth of Jesus, his religious bubble burst. And his understanding of the kingdom of God was being challenged by Jesus. Because Jesus came with a heavenly perspective, a perspective from above. And you see, exposure to other perspectives challenges our assumptions. Nicodemus believed that he had access to the kingdom of God through his devotion, through religion and tradition and good works. And now he's learning that to experience kingdom life, it's necessary to be born again. But how come he never heard about this? How is that he never learned about this in rabbinical school? How come he never engaged in conversations about this topic with his colleagues, the Pharisees? Well, maybe because he was surrounded by people who shared the same ideas and who thought exactly like him. I think it's unfortunate that sometimes we don't consider how valuable it is to listen to different perspectives. When we listen to different opinions, we learn to discern truth from errors. Our convictions are tested and we become more empathetic. You know, I love the experience that God has allowed me to have here at Emmanuel Faith. I've been here for eight years now. And it's been such a blessing to be exposed to this culture to be exposed to the culture in our Spanish language uh, congregation, to know people from Central America, South America, people here from America with different perspectives, different ideas, to know how, how, how they think and how they feel. How those that we tag as illegal aliens feel living in the U.S. and why they are here. How those of us who feel that probably they are taking over our country, why, why do they feel like that? And as I have engaged in conversations, I'm learning more. And I'm telling you, I fall, I'm falling in love with the diversity that we can bring to the table many occasions, the only reason why we don't like what others think and what others said is because we have never, we have never been seated at the table with them because we have never had conversations with them. Once that happen, that happens, 
everything changes. And I think that more than ever, it won't be wise for us to go through life as if, as if we already have all the right answers. We need to learn to listen to others. But most importantly, we need to learn to listen to God. He's the one who has all the answers. Nicodemus came with assumptions and Jesus gave him answers. We cannot pretend to live a very devoted Christian life without considering God's opinion, without considering his word, and without considering the revelation that we have received through his son. For only Jesus is the expert in the matters of the kingdom of God. We probably know more about other stuff that is irrelevant to him. No one knows better than Jesus what it takes to spend eternity with him. And there shouldn't be any other voice more influential over our lives than the voice of Jesus. If we truly want to live in his way and with his heart, we need to hear from him and no one else. Very truly, I, I tell you, Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. So this is Jesus' second attempt to explain to Nicodemus what it means to experience the kingdom of God. Here Jesus is using concepts that Nicodemus could easily relate with. He's using a vocabulary. He's using a language that Nicodemus understands. Because Nicodemus knew the scriptures very well. So Jesus quoted some of the Old Testament prophecies from the book of Ezekiel, among others. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 through 27 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a new heart, a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So what about that, Nicodemus? Jesus knew what he was talking about. And he's telling Nicodemus, unless you are washed with clean water and receive a new heart, unless God puts his spirit in you, you won't enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, you need to receive new life by the spirit of God for Verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And by the way, you should not be surprised on on my saying you must be born again. But unfortunately, Nicodemus was so fixed on his assumptions that he never considered God's promises. 
that he never considered the promises in the scriptures about God doing a new thing in the future through his spirit of God giving new life as it pleases him. Verse 8, the wind blows whatever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? You're supposed to be the teacher, man. Like, you know everything. You're missing it. So even though Nicodemus was an expert in the Old Testament law, apparently he ignored that the Spirit is the only one who can give new life. He ignored that it's the breath of God that gives people the possibility of new life. So Jesus told him on verse 11, very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. And this is by, by the way he means him and his, and his disciples already. And we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of early things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak the heavenly things? At this point, it's evident. It's evident that Jesus' illustrations are not landing in Nicodemus' heart. Nicodemus remained puzzled. He wasn't getting it. But look at this. Regardless, Jesus kept coming with him without, to him with authority because Jesus has the authority to dismantle our assumptions. You don't need to understand it all. You just need to get to know him. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to start having an open conversation with him. You know, he doesn't care if you don't have all the answers, if you don't know the whole theology, if you don't have all the right answers. Nicodemus had all the right answers for his time and in his environment. But he didn't know Jesus. You know, this, this makes me think of on, 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 on kids and, and ourselves, you know, who grew up at church. We have the understanding. We have the knowledge. We worship Jesus. We come to church. We serve in some capacity. But do we spend time with Jesus? Do we talk to him or, or does that idea feels kind of weird to you like talking to Jesus can you really do that yeah of course but if we don't engage in that kind of conversation and relationship with Jesus we have the knowledge we we know the facts but but we're not living them out it's not hard to be a Nicodemus beautiful thing is that Jesus openly revealed, revealed himself to Nicodemus. Jesus made clear to Nicodemus that he knew what he was talking about. 
and that he had the qualifications to speak about these truths because he is the son of man. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man, the son of man, the one whom Daniel saw in one in it of his visions in Daniel chapter 7 is the one talking to you Nicodemus you have read about me and you know the son of man has direct access because he comes from above he has been exalted and he himself is the source of life through him heaven and earth are coming together and to him was giving authority to forgive sins and to give new life to him was giving the glory and sovereign power to him people of every language and ethnicity will worship and his kingdom will never end so now you know Nicodemus now you know with whom you're having a conversation. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes might have eternal life in him. Now, in case that you don't recognize this reference from the book of Numbers, chapter 21, let me provide you with the context of the event to which Jesus is referring to. Before Israel became a nation, the descendants of Jacob served as slaves for 400 years in the land of Egypt until God delivered them in a mighty way through a man named Moses. Now, as, as the Israelites were going to their destination, they began to complain and murmur against God and Moses for the limited variety of food that God provided them. I remember coming to Escondido and looking for food trucks eight years ago, and I didn't find any. And I was feeling so disappointed. And you know, particular, you know, like kinds of food trucks, the ones with tacos. <laughs> I felt quite disappointed, you know, like not finding. Now it's different. You have a little bit of everything now. But in the past, when I moved here, I was like, God, do you really want me in Escondido? <laughs> I loved it to live in Chula Vista and to cross the border to TJ two, three times, you know, as the belly, you know, requested. <laughs> and now here... Well, they were complaining. And God sent a plague of poisonous snakes to get rid of the complainers. What? Yeah. <laughs> As you can imagine, it didn't take long for those who were still alive to repent. Wouldn't you? <laughs> and to ask their leader Moses to intercede before God for them. And as Moses did it, God instructed him to make a serpent of bronze and to put, up, to put it up on a pole. That way, every person who will get bitten by this serpent will get healed by looking at the bronze serpent. So pretty much the thing that was killing them in the first place, once lifted up on a pole, became the thing that saved them. In the same way. All humanity has been in a way bitten by sin. 
And since the wages of sin is death, pretty much we all need a savior. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus that he is that savior and that he soon will be lifted up on a pole, that soon he will be lifted up on a a cross in order to give new life. That soon he will carry the weight of sin, the sins of humanity upon his shoulders in order to give eternal life to whoever may believe in him. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, on the cross, God dealt with our sin through Christ. Not as if he was a sinner, but as if he was sin itself crucifying it and now whoever believes in him now whoever will look at him will have eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life here we have one of the most popular verses from scripture A verse that many of us have memorized and that we treasure because it talks about the greatness of God's love. But for Nicodemus, these words were shocking. First of all, Jesus is saying that God loves the world, not just the Hebrew Hebrew nation. Jesus is dismantling Nicodemus' assumptions of a Messiah who will come to show his love exclusively to the Jews. A Messiah that will bring the wrath of God upon the Gentiles. And here you have Jesus talking about God loving the nations of the world. Providing the means of redemption through his son so that whoever believes in him, regardless of background, will receive eternal life instead of eternal punishment. This is good news to all of us. This is good news to all the Mexicans and the Americans and the Peruvians. And this is good news for Every single one of us. But for Nicodemus, on the other hand, this was the most unexpected news. He was learning for the first time that God was about to create a new humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. A humanity where there's no distinction between Jews and Gentiles. And please keep in mind that Nicodemus, as most uh, Jewish people back then, were expecting a Messiah who will apply force and punishment to the Gentiles. And now he's learning that Jesus, during his first coming, came to do just the opposite. Jesus came to fulfill prophecies like Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, that, that says, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Israel, I will make you a light for the Gentiles. Nicodemus didn't know, or he forgot 
he didn't understand assumptions. Now Nicodemus knew this passage well, but for whatever reason, his assumption, his assumptions kept them blind to the fullness of God's plan. Jesus was fulfilling his promises of the coming of the kingdom of God on earth as in heaven. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God sent his son to save the world through Jesus. And whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of of God's one and only son. You see what condemns people is not their sin or their breaking of the law. What condemns them is not believing in the Son of God. They are condemned because they don't have Jesus as their Savior and because they love darkness. Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. In chapter 1 of John's Gospel, we learn that Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. Unfortunately, the world in general hasn't responded positively to this truth. They haven't responded positively to Jesus. Jesus came seeking us out of his own initiative. And the only response that he's expecting from us is to believe in him. To trust him as Lord. And Savior. He came into the world to show us the greatness of God's love for us, but most of us have rejected Him because we love darkness. We love sin. And you can argue, you know, like, oh, we have hundreds of people, thousands of people in this congregation. Yeah, we have millions out there that are not following Jesus. That gives us perspective. Argue all that you want that this is a Christian nation. I don't see it. I'm an immigrant as an outsider. I don't see the United States of America as a Christian nation. We might have some principles. We might have some heritage. Reality is that In general, we love sin. We love darkness. We don't want to come near Jesus because he shines his light over us and over our sin. And it exposes it. John says on verse 20, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. What a moment for Nicodemus' life, right? It's intense. It's an intense moment. I get it. Not for us. For Nicodemus. But this could be the beginning of a new life for him. This could definitely become a turning point in his life. 
He came to Jesus at night. Hiding. Afraid. And now that his actions, motives, and flaws have been exposed by his light. He will need to make a decision about Jesus. The question is, will he reassess his religious assumptions and embrace the truth of Christ, the giver of new life, or not? Unfortunately, we don't get a definite answer to that question in this chapter. Although some of us will like to assume the best based on the things he did in his two future appearances in John's gospel. But we'll talk about that later as we continue our study. In the meantime, let's focus on us. I wonder how many of us are like Nicodemus, making assumptions about our spiritual life. I wonder how many of us have been thinking or assuming that we will go to heaven because we have been good, moral human beings. The question is, what are we going to do now that we have been exposed to Jesus? What are we going to do now that we have encountered the truth of Jesus? Will we reassess? Will we embrace him? You know, searching for the truth will force us to reassess our assumptions. It will force us to make a decision about Jesus. We will either say yes or no. And some of us have said yes, but our, some of us are, even though we said yes, we are behaving as if we are living in a constant no to him. If we want the truth, Jesus will give us the truth. And we won't need to make a decision about him. Is he the greatest rabbi that has ever existed? Is he the almighty miracle maker, the giver of new life? Is he the son of man, the savior of the world and the son of God? If he is all of that for you, that come into his light and give him your entire life. Not just segments, not just areas, your entire life. And give him glory. Give him honor. Give him worship with everything you are. You know, the world hates the truth. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So if you truly want to live by the truth, know that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Please don't wait any longer. Don't pretend to be someone that you are not before him. Come into his light. Repent. If you, if you need to repent, repent. And receive new life. 
the life that only he is able to give. Let me be very clear. If you need a new beginning, this is your time. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know where you're coming from. I'm not usually in this service. I'm preaching at this time in Spanish in the other building. I have no clue who God will bring. But you know, you know what's going on? Do you need a new comienzo? A new comienzo. A nuevo comienzo. <laughs> a new beginning. A new start. A new life. Nicodemus. John. Sarah. Pedro. Robert. Hannah. This is the day you have been waiting for. This is the day you can experience a new beginning in your life. And if you want a new beginning in your life, put all your assumptions to the side and believe in Jesus, the Son of God, and start following him. Nothing else matters. But Jesus, will you please stand with me so that we could pray together? And if you are able, please bow your head and close your eyes. And we are going to pray with so much gratitude for what God has done on our behalf through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, you left your home, your place of glory and became a simple man. You never stopped being God because of that now we have the opportunity to rely on you as a person and on you because of your work left everything behind so that you could be available for us and you really don't care if we are people with religious backgrounds or not never pictured you dying for giving your life for particulars you gave your life so that everyone will have an opportunity to rely on you to believe to encounter you and now we have seen, now we have experienced, now we have had exposure 
your greatness and your majesty and your power and your authority. And we give you thanks. Thank you for saving us and for giving us new life. Thank you, Lord. Allow us to live in a way that will magnify your name. Allow us to live in a way that will make evident that we are in company of Jesus, the light of the world. And Father, also I want to ask you, please, for those that are here considering the possibilities now, they have options. Cool, the greatest option ever just appeared today, Lord. For some of them, and they need a new beginning, they need a new start, they need a new life. Will your spirit, Lord, let them know that they are invited not by me, by you. And that they will surrender their lives to you, Lord. And they will come to acknowledge that they need a savior, that they need redemption. They are sinners in need of forgiveness and give them new life, Lord, in the same way that you have given them giving it to many of us. Grateful, Jesus, for you. Grateful. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.